Monday and happy Halloween. What, uh, oh, is this the iHeart Halloween channel? Yes! Are you proud that I knew that? Yes! Yeah. I mean, we have been doing it for like five straight years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, there is a um, an iHeart Halloween channel that has all songs. And mm-hmm. I would imagine tomorrow probably the Christmas music's available. I think on some stations, yes. Yeah. Would already have begun. Anyway, happy Monday, happy Halloween. And it's a uh, tease before. One of us is wearing a costume today, and I'll let you, the listener, decide which one. I got to say, Mark, your it costume is fantastic. Dressed up as a radio host. Or I could pass as a UCS sophomore. Wearing a that, UCF yeah. t-shirt and jeans uh, today. Um, Scott is dressed... Uh, well, do you want to tell the audience what you're dressed as? <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. I I think it looks great. Thank you. Uh, he does have the mask. I, I, I actually... I, to show you, I actually brought both of the masks that I have. Both? Yeah. What's the difference? Uh well, I'm going to regret asking that. So there's there's this one that I showed you when I got in the mail a few weeks ago. And then there's this one, which is the one that I actually got with the... It looks like that's a Jason mask in the front of it. What is it? No, so it's got it's a shell. Or it looks like a Yadier Molina uh, Cadres helmet. It does actually look like that as well. Uh, it's got a shell. That does look like a Halloween... But there's nothing there. It just it goes... Oh. And then you can attach... The okay, so there's the like snap-on thing or magnets or magnets. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah. Does it? What does it depend on? What you're wearing? Like if you're going to fight crime, you wear one versus the other. It's more of ease. Appearing of, at a kids' event and making balloons, you so, wear the light one. So this one, uh, with the eyes attached to it, is a lot easier to put on by yourself. Uh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Because trying to line up the lenses on the magnets is a little bit difficult. Okay. And with this one, you can, if you want to take a drink, you can just flip it up a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. So Scott is in full Spider-Man uh, gear today, and yes. good for him. I did not. I did not like walk. Actually, I did walk into the building wearing it, uh, but I, I wore clothes over it. Did you drive to work or just shoot your way here? You don't put a web on. It's called web slinging, Mark. If you're gonna make fun of it, at least get it correct. I wasn't making fun. Did you kind of, you know, shoot off a few yes! buildings to get here? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know all the skyscrapers in downtown Maitland. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Scott's ready uh, for Halloween uh, today. Yeah, I, I, I told you I went to a Halloween themed pub cr- or bar crawl this weekend. That was a lot of fun. Dressed in an outfit. Yes. Oh, was that the? I mean, the whole group. Everyone was in. Yeah, everyone was dressed up. How big was the group? Uh, about 50, 60. Oh, wow. And then, and then, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know this, Mark, well, the yeah, bar crawls you've done. bar crawls I do. Each stop, it kind of thins a little bit. Oh. Hey, you guys go ahead. We'll catch up, right? Were you ever a, a Golden Girls fan? Uh, fan. I mean, I watched and certainly know of the show, and at the time, it was a, a massive hit. Why? They did. Did people go dressed as the Golden Girls? The Cycle Stars. Actually, I can't say that. The instructors from the Cycle Place that I go to went dressed as the Golden they Girls. They were all uh, different blanches from. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then next day did my hour-long ride, and then yesterday morning. You know, I'm almost at an age where the Golden Girls on TV kind of fit the age. That I'm at. <laughs> you think about it. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. What now? Uh did my sixty minute ride on Saturday and yesterday did my first seventy five minute ride. And it's good. All right. Yeah. There you go. Except when it was done, someone in the back yells, That's it. Ah, uh, that guy. Yes, it is. It's done. It's done. 
That guy. It is done. Yeah. Okay. But it's good. It was fun. See, I did that years ago when I uh, started doing my hardcore workouts. Mm-hmm. D- don't ask why, but, but but I used to really plan the the full hour. Mm-hmm. And then one day I said, you know what? Let's do 105 all the time. And now I just do 105 like a little bit more. Oh, okay. Just a little bit more. You know why? Because you can do a little bit more. So now all of my workouts are now in five minutes. Well, you know what the difference between ordinary, ordinary and extraordinary is? What is it, Scott? That little bit extra. Oh, look at that. I, huh? just, thought, I just thought of that. Wow. I just thought of that. Wow. Hope you had a nice uh, weekend. Uh, lots of football, which we're going to get to, college and pro football. We do have a nickname now for the XFL team, uh, the Orlando Guardians, that announced earlier today. Uh, and Terrell Buckley was on with Mike this morning. The interview's up at 96thegame.com if you like to uh, hear uh, him talk about that. Um, let's see. What else non-sports related for the weekend? Uh, how much? I, I, I was busy with a lot of things sports-wise. F1 yesterday? Uh, no, I'm going to get it in a second. I was thinking of non-sports-wise. Uh, oh. Yes. Yesterday... I'm checking out at Publix, right? Okay. So the guy in front of me is getting two bags of ice. Okay. So he says, yes, can I get two bags of ice? And, and the woman says, uh, large or small? And he goes, I, I, I guess large. Not experienced ice bag buyer here, right? Uh-huh. And um, so he pays. And then he goes, well, what about the ice? And she says, well, they're over there. And he has to look like I'm supposed to get the bag myself? Oh, no. Now, this adorable woman, Scott, looks like she's in her early 60s. Uh-huh. And he has to look like, well, is someone going to get the bags of ice? And I, I'm this close to going, hey, lazy ass. Yeah, yeah. How about if we walk over? Mm-hmm, and grab right? it. <clears throat> so wait, wait, wait. She says, yeah, they're over there. And, and he's like, uh, okay. And, and she looks at him, and there's this awkward pause. Mm-hmm. And then she says... Would you like me to have someone come get the bag of ice? And he goes, yes. He's going to have to carry it at some point. I don't know, because maybe the person took his groceries out. Who does that? When he gets to wherever he's going, he's going to have to move it. Who does that? Grab the bags of ice. It's one thing if it's an older person or something. But but this guy's could take 10 pounds of ice. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's see what else in sports. Uh, yeah, Max won his 14th race, and what was an incredibly boring uh, Mexico Grand Prix. I mean, he made the decision early and led comfortably. Uh, so, yeah, there goes that. Uh, Magic lost last night to the Dallas Mavericks. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Uh, competitive in the game, didn't shoot well in the second half, and ended up losing. I, but I'm not going to jump on the Magic. They, they have no point guards. Yeah, No one's playing point guard for them. Uh, Suggs out, Cole Anthony's out, and the other guy that didn't play in two plus years. Does anybody know the status of that other than Kobe Price of the Magic said that he's in a, a smaller walking boot for Markel Fultz because he stubbed his toe? Right, but I mean, other than Kobe, I think what was the other day? He just said he, he apparently is wearing a thinner protective piece on the foot, but they have no point guards. So I, you know, I'm first game Pottled in scored twenty, um, and the Magic lost to uh, the Mavericks who. You know, I'd Luca go off and everything. But, they, I mean, they were in the game and just fell short. That's the story of the season right now. But they have no point guards. No, what? I mean, here's the thing. Not one, neither, neither victory song to start the show today. Well, 
Your former, basketball team? For, for, well, the Knicks lost to the Cavaliers. You should have traded for Donovan Mitchell. Classic Nick loss. And then uh, former Giant punt returner Richie James. He's not the former yet? What? We didn't cut him? He actually took the flight back from Seattle after dropping not one but two? Not not dropping the punt on the return, having it stripped uh, uh, twice. Um, let's see. We got revenge game. We got Philly and LAFC. Yeah, went chalk. Philly uh, uh, down one nothing, scored three goals in eleven minutes in the second half. They're so they really win. good. And then LAFC pretty much handled Austin. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an own goal That's on the second final. goal. Yeah, it's a very it's, uh, two top seeds seeds final. in the league. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and yeah, in the 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 Western Conference game, it was McConaughey versus Will Ferrell. Okay. One's the Minister of Culture for Major League Soccer. Okay. Yeah. McConaughey. Yeah. Um, what's on the viewing docket, though, for tonight? Like, what, what do you got? Halloween? What? What's the... You, you need some recs? You need some recommendations? No. Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, no. We're, 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 we're fine. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? Boy, I haven't watched that in years. It's still good. I haven't watched it in years, but no, there'll be no scary movies or anything uh, like that. I heard you guys talking about slices. Our neighborhood's an early trick or treat because there's the uh, there's not as many young kids that live in our neighborhood. Mm, okay, and 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 like several blocks over, they've been doing this block party for kids for years. Mm-hmm. That a lot of parents just bring their kids there, so oh. we don't expect a large number of trick or treaters. You know. Yeah, what now? I heard you. So I was here on Saturday for the UCF uh, football game. Let me get to that in a moment, yeah. And uh, you guys talk about food a lot during the commercial breaks. Oh, during the breaks. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot that goes on there. People should pay for that audio. (laughs) They should, honestly. (laughs) You can make some money on that. Yeah, we were? What were we talking about? Slices of pizza. Uh, Well, so Mellow Mushroom bought food again. Uh Uh-huh. Not criticizing, but I guess someone was either hiding the salad or got there late. Mm. So I didn't get my pregame salad that I okay. love. So it was wings and za. Nice. And a lot of guys loading up on the pizza. Yeah. It sounded like your engineer was one of them. How many slices do you consider a lot? Four. I don't think he did four. I think he did three. Okay. Yeah. Um, that means he went back. He did go back a second time. And then he got caught at halftime when we had an interview with the sponsor and I'm like, I need a mic turned on. And then when I looked up, he was coming out with another pile of food. Yeah. So, yeah. Happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, coming up on a program, a look back at the weekend that was in college football. We'll get to the UCF game against Cincinnati, Florida, and Georgia. The big day for the Big 12 with the announcement of an extension of their media deal. Uh, Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sportsnet president, has been a guest on our show a few times. Um, will join us and talk about what the deal is, what it means. Uh, that'll be at about 11.17 in the program uh, today, uh, so stick around. We come back. It was a game for Mikey Keene that certainly was his best football as a UCF night, and it may have saved the season for UCF, plus what the day meant yesterday when UCF didn't even play. We'll explain that, plus get to the Gators and Dogs. I don't know how to explain the Miami win and everything else that was in college and pro football next. Well, you come Look in his eyes. In excess. Full of pride. Uh, devil inside. I can't hear you. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's the take his mask off? 
Scott Harris is dressed as Spider-Man and with full mask as well. And, uh, uh, Devil Inside. Okay. Uh, that's music on the iHeart Halloween channel. Uh, the Beat of Sports Bar Daniels on this Monday. We're brought to you by our friends at uh, Seminole Power Sports, number one in Fast Fun, Reinhardt Road at Sanford, Highway 441 in Eustis, online at SeminolePowerSports.com. And the holiday season upon us, great time to visit our good friends at Seminole Power Sports. Uh, every Monday, I write a Monday notebook on college football that you can read at 96thegame.com. Hope you'll click it on. We want the hits and clicks and all that stuff. And uh, the headline, which I write, says, Mikey to the rescue, uh, Big 12 dollars, UF future, and candy corn. Good fact on candy corn you want to click on and check out. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and I wrote about Mikey Keene and the UCF win against Cincinnati. And in many ways, he saved a season. Now, UCF's got four games left. They've got a tough game at Memphis this week and then an even bigger game if they win at Tulane uh, the following week. But if you take a look at what's happening in that football game on Saturday against Cincinnati, before the game, look, UCF comes in uh, with a 5-2 and two record. They've got a conference loss after losing at East Carolina. If they lose to Cincinnati, uh, they're 5-3. and three. They'd be 2-2 two and two in the league and really, for the most part, would be out of the race uh, to get to the conference championship game. They would have been two games behind Cincinnati and lose the tiebreaker there and, and still have to go on the road for um, three of their final four. And then you kind of wonder, you know, what's the team now playing for? If you win, which they did, then... Again, it's the next biggest game, and all your goals are still there. You could get to the conference championship game. If you win the conference championship, there's a good chance that you would play in a New Year's Six Bowl. A lot of football left to be played. And uh, great day for football. UCF gets out and grabs a lead. Um, and then John Rice Plumley on a third and ten, tries to run for first down and gets nine, gets hit, gets knocked down, and comes out of the game. Mikey Keene comes in, his first series, hands the ball off three times. UCF is pinned back at their own three-yard line, uh, and, and, and UCF punts. Cincinnati gets a field goal. It's 10-6 of the half. And if you're UCF, you're kind of wondering, okay, now what happens? Uh, they brought in Mikey Keene, and again, go back. People kind of wonder the start of the season. Well, what's Gus Miles on doing a quarterback, and why is Thomas Castellano playing, and, and Mikey Keene's not, and a lot of people speculated wrong. Uh, about you know what it all means, and and Gus actually two weeks ago kind of shared a little bit about hey, uh, got Thomas in, played in four games. If he doesn't play again, it doesn't burn a red shirt. And there was a little bit of a plan here to send the back end of the season, hoping you're playing meaningful games. That an experienced guy that started games last year was available to play if and when you needed another quarterback, and there it was. Now. Gus Malzahn could have bought Thomas Castellanos in uh, Saturday because it wasn't about protecting a year of eligibility. It's about, in some way, saving a season. Brought in Mikey Keene. The half ends. And, yeah, I wrote the, uh, a quote because Gus Malzahn brought up in his postgame show. Mikey comes off and he you know, makes a quick comment to Gus Malzahn, Coach, I got you. And then the second half, he was great. It was 15 of 21 for 176 yards. Uh, UCF's first couple drives, a chance to put the game away. Uh, drive down and get the ball at the nine-yard line. Isaiah Bowser's hit, 
Fumbles the ball, and Cincinnati recovers to the two. Got no points in the drive. Next drive, marched down the field. Got to the 19-yard line. Handoff uh, on an RPO to R.J. Harvey, and ball drops. Turned it over again. And then you're just kind of like, uh-oh. What, 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 what's happening? Got a great uh, uh, defensive play to get a safety. You're up 12-6, and then Cincinnati scores. They make it 13-12 with 10-33 to go. UCF goes 13, plays 77 yards, takes six minutes off the clock. Uh, Keen makes some really big throws. Javon Baker makes a great catch for 12. Ryan O'Keefe makes a catch for 10. They run the rest of the drive, and Bowser gets in. It's 18-13, but Cincinnati and their quarterback, Ben Bryant, just, they march down the field easily. They scored in 92 seconds, and... They grab the lead, and there's 3.04 left. There's a vibe in the stadium like, uh, Cincinnati's going to find a way. And they got the mojo going, and, and now what do you do? At the 25-yard line, 3.04 to go. It's on Mikey Keene's shoulders. They're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, you don't completely abandon the run, but he's got to make some plays. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando sports leader, Mark Davis, and the Beat of Sports. Um, and little shovel pass to O'Keefe. Then he hits Kobe Hudson for 18 yards, hits O'Keefe for 26. Javon Baker makes another big catch for 12. They get the ball down. Goes under a minute to play in the game, and a couple of plays later, R.J. Harvey runs 17 yards for a touchdown. UCF makes a big play. Katie McDaniel, who hadn't played a lot, had played, but Kentucky transfer makes a big plan first down, knocks the ball free, rolls back to the five, and then Cincinnati runs out of time, and then UCF wins. Uh, not one guy responsible for UCF's win, but Mikey Keene was really big and in many ways saved a season. Again, they got to win this week, but... The difference of a win versus loss is huge in that game. And I'm happy for Mikey. Uh, the last pass he threw in a college football game was 310 days earlier. That was in the bowl game against Florida. And that was a big game for UCF for all the reasons a UCF fan knows. They weren't playing for a conference championship, but it was a big game for the reasons of a ninth win, beating Florida, and so forth. But that was his most important half of football. Uh, uh, as far as what's on the line. And if you watch, listened, or you were there, he made some big throws. And he played with confidence, and he knew where to put the ball and got into a rhythm with some guys, and big. And, yes, they had some big run plays. Uh, but he was really big when UCF needed him. And, again, we'll see as the week progresses. Uh, right now, UCF hasn't said anything about John Rice Plumley. It's kind of obvious what happened. Uh, if he can't play... Then you've got a guy now that's got a bunch of starts under his belt. And like I noted, UCF's got three quarterbacks in the quarterback room that have nine career starts, at least in Plumlee, Keene, Timmy McClain, the South Florida transfer, sitting out uh, this year. It's a nice spot with Thomas Castellanos. Uh, and, again, that, that, that's a good spot for Gus. Um, but it's a huge win. Cincinnati's good. Uh, their defense set allowed just over 300 yards a game. UCF put 505 on them. And for some of those individuals, and I get it, I you know, again, you want to live in a negative world, live in a negative world, that, you know, live and die with every possession, everyone's an offensive coordinator expert. UCF is in the top ten in basically every offensive category. They are. They're in the top ten, like every offensive category. Uh, total yards, rushing, points per game, 
Um, and they put over 500 yards on Cincinnati's defense. That defense isn't as good as last year's team, but it was pretty good, giving up just 300 yards a game. And UCF's defense bent a little bit, which they've done last few weeks, but then also made some big plays. That was a huge drive by Ben Bryant, their quarterback, to give him the lead. When they went 75 yards, boom, boom, boom. But they also made some big plays. And UCF wins a really big game to set them up for their next big game. And that's a tough challenge at Memphis this week. It comes off a bye, and then they play at Tulane uh, before Navy and uh, South Florida. The biggest news for UCF, outside of their win, it got them back in the top 20, or got them uh, into the poll this year for the first time, back in the top 25 where they've been in recent years, uh, 25th in both polls. Um, the bigger news came yes, or, or big news came yesterday. I wouldn't say bigger this season. That was a huge game Saturday, but big news. And I said to Mike on uh, the bridge, uh, you could look back and say that October 30th, 2022, is the most significant day in the history of UCF athletics. Why? Because the announcement of a media deal in the Pac-12 where UCF is going solidifies the jump of where UCF had been, is, and where they wanted to go, which is into a big league that pays real media dollars. And the jump of what lies ahead in dollars and the media partners of being ESPN and Fox, the two biggest names in covering college football and college sports, which guarantees you relevance and coverage, it does, is significant. And the dollar amount, which we can get to in a second, is massive for UCF. But yesterday's announcement is the most significant news that changes the game for UCF of trying to compete with teams with massive budgets that get massive media money when you don't. And I I said for years about Boise State's run uh, in 2017 and 18 about UCF and other teams from those, quote, G5 leagues that, you know, anytime somebody ever said, yeah, well, why do you compete in that league on that schedule week to week? And the answer was, fine, give them the resources to do it, and then we'll see what it's like. Well, now that is what the reality is for UCF. The money is relative of the timing of it all. Brett Yormark, the new commissioner, deserves a lot of credit for accomplishing something that most doubted. Bob Bowlesby, now the retired commissioner of the Big 12, he was the one that went on record and said he projected a decline of at least 50% in the media money with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, whether he was the bitter guy that lost the two schools or whatever it was. And there was no shortage of college football media elitists that wrote the obituary for the Big 12. I, I made the comment, Reese Davis, last NFL draft, made the comment about uh, a couple of Cincinnati players like, and, you know, Cincinnati going to the Big 12, which may or may not, may or may not even be a Power 5 league, which was like, wow, okay, well, now that they just signed on the deal and guarantee their coverage and some of the prime spots that games will be aired, they'll stay relevant. Not as much money as the SEC or Big 10, okay. But the timing mattered, and Brett Yormark decided to talk to his partners, not when the contract had ended or during an exclusive period, and said, look, let's talk about an extension. He gets a shorter deal that takes him to market quicker than a few other Power 5 leagues and ended up seeing an increase in the dollars. Why? Because of the timing of it. 
Live sports remains the most sought-after programming because it's unscripted and can deliver things that you go wow about. You watch a series, uh, uh, you know, on Netflix, you can binge watch and find out the outcome, and it's scripted television. But live sports still is incredibly valuable. And the dollar amount, yeah, it is a significant increase despite Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Just like the SEC got a significant increase with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas and its value because it's the timing of going to market. And the dollars do break down to about $31.66666 million. That's before the league takes its cuts. It might be a little bit less than that. How do you get to $50 million? Power 5 leagues right now make just over $100 million each in the college football playoff model. A 12-team college football playoff model could generate an additional half billion dollars, if not more. Um, now, I've said before, I don't think the five Power 5 leagues are going to find an agreement where everybody splits the pot and they give the same little pot to the G5. I fully expect the SEC and the Big Ten to say, we don't want that model, and they'll fight that out. And my guess is they'll probably end up getting more, or the model will reward, um, like the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, units. For every game you play, it's worth more. That may be the case. They don't like that because then it's kind of like that game's outcome could be worth $30, $40, 50000000 million. Okay, but most people still think that Power 5 leagues can expect at least 50 if not a 100% increase in the current dollars. That's another 15 to $20 million. That's how you get to around $50 million. And yes, on that model, even with the same thing being applied to the ACC, the Big 12 and its extended media deal, before you add in college football playoff money, NCAA basketball tournament, which, by the way, the Big 12's made more than anybody in the last couple of years, um, that's how the Big 12 stands to make more money than the ACC. Timing. I mean, when you go to market. The ACC signed a deal a few years ago that at the time in the industry was a good move for them. They wanted a network. ESPN said, if you want an ACC network, we'll pay for it, but these are the terms and conditions that we want to go along with it. And then Commissioner John Swafford said, I think it's a good deal, and so did his members. And they took the money to get a network and to get the security and the grant of rights, and they said, hey, we're stable as can be. And markets change, not just in college sports, but in every industry. And yes, that's why by 2025 and 2026, the likelihood of UCF making more money on a yearly basis in Florida State and Miami is a reality. If you don't think it's fair, life's not fair. If you kind of wonder, well, what does the ACC do? I don't know. Other than adding Notre Dame, which allows them to then go back to the table, I don't know what else they can do. There's no reason for ESPN to just say, you know what, here's an extra billion dollars. There's no reason for them to do it. Uh, There is no out in their deal. In order for the grant of rights to not exist, the league would have to dissolve. Not quite sure that's the plan either. So I don't know what happens to them. And even say, well, then Florida uh, State and Miami and Clemson and Carolina, they'll just leave for the Big Ten and the SEC. It's fine, but you need an invitation to the party. Go ask Oregon and Washington about that. Which then leads to the Big 12, Pac-12, which, again, I've watched. I don't really understand uh, why some think it's a battle. I I, I hope the Pac-12 survives. I, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a traditionalist in college football. And I don't know, maybe their deal is a little bit more than uh, the Big 12. It's fine. 
Maybe it includes ESPN and Amazon. Maybe they're geniuses for getting a streaming deal done. I still question in the next several years, can your audience find those games? The NFL's one thing. Cal versus Washington State on Amazon is something else that I don't know. I come across channel surfing. But maybe they make more money. And maybe they make enough, even if it's a little less, that any school in the Pac-12 says, I don't need to go to the Big 12. The money is somewhat close. That's fine. The Big 12 is going to have all of its members sign a grant of rights. I don't know in the Pac-12 that that's as easy as it sounds. I don't know if Oregon and Washington are willing to go, yeah, give me the paper. I'll sign it for eight or ten years. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they will. I do think one thing that helped the Big 12 that a couple of different people that I trust say was a factor is how competitive the league has become. Now, the national college football media will often be the quick to go, well, they're out of the playoff picture because, you know, no one's going to be one, two, three, or four. That's going to change in a 12 team playoff. But there's something to a competitive league that has games of interest late in the season. If you've got a conference race that has five, six teams or seven or eight teams, that could all still be in the running for your top two spots when you hit week nine? That means you got more games on a weekend that have fan interest. There's some leagues, and I'll use the SEC and the Big Ten. They're great leagues. No one questions that. If you're top-heavy and the same teams are in the running every year and there's very few other teams that have a chance, the majority of your games on the backside of the season don't have any value. I mean, your fans want to watch and gamblers watch, but Missouri-South Carolina is not of great interest if, if someone's not in the hunt. So I do think that helps by saying, look, every Saturday for the month of November, we got four games of our six that involve teams in the hunt to make our championship game. So I think it's an excellent move for the Big 12 If the Pac-12 makes more money, good for them. There's nothing wrong uh, with that. It is significant, though. UCF has been in a league where if you made five, six, seven million dollars, it was a good year. To know that you're going into a league that you could be looking at forty, forty-five, fifty-plus million dollars does change the way you do business. I'm not saying it's a great business model. I'm just telling you that's the reality of how college football has become. That it is who you play with. Who carries your games and how big your check is? It's the difference of being able to build bigger facilities, keep your coaches, and in a world of pay-for-play and NIL, talent acquisition. More of the college football weekend that was about Florida, Georgia. Florida State got a win. Some other national stories, and we'll get to the NFL all still to come on the beat of sports. Jackson. You're a big Rockwell guy, right? I don't think you can be because it wasn't a very large library of songs. What do you mean? He's got MJ on the song. Yeah. Uh, the Beat of Sports, Mardanos, are brought to you by good friends at uh, Greenway Ford and Greenway Dodge. Shop online at greenwayford.com and greenwaydodge.com. You complete satisfactions, our commitment, Greenway, uh, the only way. Um, All right, how many people did you send the picture to? Two. So far. Uh, I, I Scott dressed as Spider-Man today, mm-hmm. full outfit, and I yep. sent the picture to two people. Okay. Scott Adams mm-hmm. and my wife. Okay. 
and both think you look great. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. <laughs> well, because they both went, yeah, that's Scott in a Spider-Man costume. Somebody at College Football Reddit uh, posted this. Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker, the two quarterbacks in the Georgia uh, Tennessee football game this week, are older than 10 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Stetson Bennett is 25. Hendon Hooker is 24 and 290 days. And they are both older than Tua, Justin Herbert, Kenny Pickett, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Sam Allinger, uh, David Mills, Justin Fields, Malik Willis, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence all started games this weekend in the NFL. Uh, by the way, speaking of college football players that are over the age of 24-25, the the guy for the UCF from Australia? Mitch McCarthy. Oh, funny. my God. 25-year-old. Great story. Oh, he's awesome. He was great on the radio show. Well, I heard it. I, I heard the uh, the little bit of the replay of it right. on Saturday. Yeah. Dude, uh, went to California, was playing basketball, uh, thought he'd try to go that route, then went back to Australia, played Australian rules football there, got into one of the many kicking camps and came over here. Uh, Mason Fletcher, the Cincinnati punter he, from Australia. Obviously, we got... Miami, Florida, Florida State, uh, and Mitch McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. He was fun on the show on uh, uh, Thursday. Um, all right. Uh, elsewhere college football, as I was describing with Mike, or talking with Mike, UCF games at the exact same time as Florida, Georgia. Didn't see it live. Go back and watch a game, and I fast-forward through a lot. You already know what happens there. Uh, it, it's just different. Look, I didn't expect Florida to beat Georgia. They didn't. There's a talent gap. It's obvious. Anthony Richardson is exactly what you thought Anthony Richardson is supposed to be in that game. He made a few plays. You're like, whoa. You know, and by the way, one of those plays is not hitting a guy that's 20 yards past somebody else downfield. I mean, it's a nice throw and catch for the touchdown. Uh, Any college quarterback at that level needs to be able to make that throw. That wasn't one of those. But he made some other pass plays. You're like, it's pretty good. Or that's a second or third read, and, and, and that's pretty good. Um, he got sacked three times but was not a run threat or didn't run successfully, and I still kind of scratch my head about that with Anthony Richardson. But he had his moments, and then he had his moments where you're like, there's still a lot uh, to learn there. And then I said when Mike afterwards, or earlier, obviously the game after, but but um, that I, I just think Billy Napier, after a game, stands there, and, and he knows the line of questioning, he knows it, but he's going to choose the safe answer. This isn't a criticism. This is actually defending Napier. He's going to tell you, yeah, you know, I mean, we got to, you know, got to get better, you know, improve this. He's not going to rip his current team by saying there's a massive talent gap and our kids aren't good. But he's trying to tell you we've got to find really good players, and we're trying to do that in recruiting. And you may live in the cycle every day of looking at our recruiting ranking versus Georgia's and Judge It and Florida and Miami and all that stuff. But I think Billy Napier is telling you, I need multiple recruiting classes. And when I mean recruiting classes, I mean uh, high school recruiting and the portal. And it will be interesting to see this year, this year, what Florida does the transfer portal. As Napier makes the move at the end of the season last year, it's a different game. Listen, transfer portal moves are happening now meaning players that know they want to leave. Either they've entered the portal or want to keep playing and have let it be known, hey, I'll be. Th- that's happening all over college football. So you have teams that are planning now, hey, I think so-and-so is going to be available. Do we want him? Napier didn't get that luxury last year because of when he got to Florida. 
So even though he took some players, including a couple from Louisiana, um, he didn't get a full transfer portal period. Now, with the staff that he's hired, they're active. So, again, I think he's trying to say, I know I have work to do to get talent. And there's no guarantee he duplicates what Kirby Smart has done. You're like, well, give him a couple years to be like that. I don't know that. You don't know that. If it was so easy, everybody would do it. Maybe he does. But I also think he's given up going, I'm not going to get into the argument of, one, somebody thinking I'm ripping my players, and two, to say, oh, so he's looking for three uh, or four years. But that's what he is telling you. Now, Florida's got four games left. I mean, they could win all four. They could lose three of the four. That's where the season's at for them. Um, it's a good one for Florida State. Jordan Travis played well. They beat a Georgia Tech team that didn't have its starting quarterback, and they won the game as they should have won the game. Jumped on Georgia Tech and, and uh, you know, coasted to a pretty good win. Now Miami this week, and I I, I can't explain the games. 14-12, I mean, four overtimes, no touchdowns. Uh, okay. It's the most chaotic game of the season, Mark. Jake Garcia played uh, Miami if they lose that game, then people are really losing their mind. They won the game, and I guess not losing it as much. Uh, but Miami won, and now this week is Florida State. Well, they they're they're trying to get all the uh, the Al Golden guys and Manny Diaz guys and Manny Diaz. Like yeah, uh, I was dead wrong on Kentucky Tennessee. Dead wrong. Got to admit when you're wrong. I thought they could hang. Uh, not only could they not hang, Tennessee's defense looked like a real defense. And made Will Levis, who some projected to be a number one overall pick, made him look like a seventh round pick, and they were great. I, I and I swung badly and missed on that. I, I mean, I look like Giancarlo Stanton on a typical Saturday going over forward four Ks. Um, and wow, I mean, wow. And Tennessee's offense just had no problem against Kentucky defense. So I whiffed on that and sets up for Tennessee and Georgia, which in some ways is a play in game providing the winner wins out in the regular season. Whoever wins this game and wins out and wins the East, it's hard to imagine that team, if they're undefeated and 12-0 and and losing in a competitive SEC championship game, not making the playoff. I, I, I mean, if we're to assume Ohio State and Michigan win out and the winner of that's in the playoff, okay, if Clemson wins out, they're going to make the playoff because of the brand value. Well, there's two of the spots. The SEC winner is the third, and then you get down to a one-loss SEC team versus what would be a one-loss Pac-12 team and the unbeaten TCU team if they win out. And there's a lot of football left in these final four weeks. But that's what's at stake in that game Saturday for Tennessee and Georgia. For chaos reasons, what do you want to see? For chaos, really? Yeah, for the chaos of, really, three SEC teams in the playoffs? Oh, I want to see an undefeated TCU team and, and have people justify leaving them out. Again. F- for a second SEC team that would have two one-loss teams. And there'll be no shortage of people explaining why you could justify that. So, if you have, again, somebody... Well, if Alabama wins out... I mean, the argument's going to be made if Tennessee-Georgia play a great football game this week. And let's say let's say Georgia beats Tennessee by three 
It ends up being Tennessee's only loss. And Georgia goes on to lose to Alabama by three. And they're all three sitting there with one loss. You'll have no shortage of people screaming why all three belong in the playoff. So, there you go. Uh, the rest of the weekend wasn't a great weekend. You had the Kansas State 48 nothing win against Oklahoma State. That's a head-scratcher. Um, the fight in the tunnel at Michigan State. Michigan State has suspended four players at least. That investigation continues. It is horrific. There was a second video that came out that showed a Michigan State player using a helmet as a weapon to try to injure a, a Michigan player. You're going to hear all this stuff about Michigan's got to get rid of the one tunnel. That you're setting yourself... It doesn't excuse the actions of Michigan State. Hard stop. But there's something valid to then... You figure out a way that you don't put both teams going through this area at the same time. And the answer can't be, it worked for the last hundred years. That can't be the answer. But it it doesn't justify anything of Michigan State for what happened there. And completely independent, but somewhat connected, state of the program, Mel Tucker was on cloud nine with a massive contract when he got it. And now Michigan State's three and five and looks like a bad football team. And he rode the transfer portal to perfection. The first year kind of went the Josh Heupel model, but now people question his ability of recruiting and where the program's at, and that's how fast uh, uh, it changes. Um, yeah. Um, Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sportsnet president, who's been a guest a few times helping us through all this media rights stuff, is going to join us at about 11.17 today on the Big 12 News. Up next, though, wasn't a great day for NFL football to big matchups, but I do think one guy, he wouldn't do it. If he wanted to double-digit people, <laughs> I think you know what I mean. He could, he won't, he wouldn't, but I'll explain next. We love it now, everyone's waiting for the next surprise. Turn a chin jack, might catch you in the back and scream like a banshee, make you jump out of Halloween, that's uh, music from iHeart's uh, Halloween channel, you can... Find that with iHeartRadio and search Halloween. It'll pop up and it's Halloween theme music all day. After you're done listening to us. Yeah, right. Check it out. Um, we're brought to you by Hale Hill and Jacobs and online at hhjlegal.com. Richard Hill, our sports law uh, expert. Um, by the way, before we get to the National Football League. <laughs> yes. He's not the only guy, but the video of Framber Valdez of the Astros doctoring the baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, if you're wearing that uniform. You can't do anything, no. And there's like five different videos of him with substances all over the place, then wiping it off before he gets the umpires. And uh, Don't get me wrong, Garrett Cole has probably just as much on there, but <laughs> if you play for the Astros, right? Yeah. It just... It's wow. not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Wow. By the way, real quick, uh, before I get to some thoughts the NFL, I'm watching yesterday's uh, Seahawks-Giants game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, former Giant punt returner Richie James. Yep. Wait, he hasn't been cut yet? <laughs> um, Tyler Lockett. Uh-huh. There's a ball thrown to Tyler Lockett. He's open. And, Scott, in a matter of 1.2 seconds, I have the mixed emotion of don't catch it, catch it. Fantasy team? Yeah. 
And wait, it's a close game, so when he dropped it, I'm emotionally into mm-hmm. the Giants. Yeah. Then they come back to him, and, and he, he had fumbled the ball earlier, the two-yard line that led to the Giants' first score. Then they go back to him, and they had the same reaction. <laughs> and he caught it yeah. for a touchdown that gave the Seahawks the lead. And I'm angry. And then when the Seahawks go by two scores, and it's clearly going to win, now I'm pissed he didn't catch the other one for a score. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, uh, yesterday was not a great day of of great matchups in the NFL. Uh, the the only game that had two teams with a winning record were the Giants and the Seahawks. Uh, I watched very little of the Jags lose the Broncos. I don't think I missed anything. Uh, Travis Etienne had a really good game for the Jaguars. Uh, I do think Mike is right. He was talking this morning that at some point you either see the light go on for Trevor Lawrence, or you kind of wonder, is it just going to flicker? And I'm a defender of guys that don't have a lot of talent around them, but I I, I still think you got to show a few things along the way. But I want to get to the Dolphin game. So the Dolphins beat the Lions. Is it coming soon for Campbell? Yes! It, 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 is Herm getting the phone call? Well, the thing is, that was... Smooth, that, that was... Brewing to be a revenge game. Remember, he was Thunder right. Dan was the right. the interim. Right. So uh, the Dolphins are playing at the Lions. If you're believing that you're going to be a team to make the playoffs, contend for a playoff spot, this is one of those road games that you feel like you have to win. I don't care if the Lions play teams tough at home and Jared Goff's numbers at home. You have to find ways to win road games. If you have eight or nine, you know how do you go steal a few of those road games? And this is one of those that you got to win. And uh, the Dolphins are down by 10 at the half. They're trailing 27-17. And you're like, it seems like everything's going right for the Lions and so forth. Um, Miami rallies and wins 31-27. I think that line was three and a half, by the way. And the Dolphins are five and three. And Tua, in the last two games that he's come back, he's played well. All the concerns about the concussion in the head, listen, he, he he's played well. And by the way, we stopped talking about that. He was 29 of 36 yesterday for 382, three touchdowns, a QBR of 92.8, uh, quarterback rating, and they're different, of 138.7. Yesterday, if you're a Dolphin fan, several things happened. The money that the Dolphins spent to add a playmaker, you then need the playmaker to produce. And I know it was against the Lions, but that's what you did for Tyreek Hill. You pay for games like that yesterday, where he, along with Jalen Waddell, as Tyreek Hill goes twelve for one eighty-eight and a hundred and uh, rather uh, and fifteen point seven yards a, a, a catch, and Jalen Waddle goes eight for one hundred six. What what was one common thing I said about? Tua last year in defending Tua that I've also said about quarterbacks that have no weapons around them. If you went back and if you're a Dolphin fan, he took the field last year or whoever was a quarterback with a receiving core that truly gave the Miami offense little to no chance. But when you put weapons and Waddle healthy and Tyreek Hill and enough of a run game, Raheem Mozart ran for 64 yards yesterday, a little bit of a run game. Um, then your quarterback can make plays. And you know what? If you watched the Dolphin game yesterday and watched a good chunk of that game yesterday, Tua was great. 
he was great. Not just hitting a wide-open guy downfield, but putting the ball in the right spot with a head coach offensive mind that he clearly is in sync with versus what? Coaching staff, management, do they want me, do they not want me, who's at wide receiver, all that stuff. And, yeah, it's a couple-game stretch, but if it's one guy that could stand there and give a salute to everybody with one finger on one hand and the other hand, uh, he wouldn't do that. That's him. Because he didn't play like a game manager. They asked him to make some plays yesterday with talent around him. Look what happens when you actually have playmakers that play wide receiver that can make a catch, that could do things after the catch, and that's what he had. He, he, he played great yesterday. And an important win for Miami. Take a look at what else happens in the division as the Patriots beat the Jets. Um, and that's how fast things can change. The Falcon-Panther game, of course, is crazy. The insane pass to tie the game. You think an extra point, but the guy makes the catch, takes his helmet off, gets flagged. Misses he wasn't even point. on the field. When he took his helmet off. Rolls a roll. Um, too, too early to have written off Marcus Mariota. Is that really what we're learning from that game? Uh, he was a big 25 points for me with a bye week for my quarterback, so that was important. See? Um, the Vikings are 6-1. and one. The Cardinals are 3-5. and five. Maybe Josh McDaniels isn't a good coach. You can't. He went Dan Campbell yesterday. This is on me. Okay. <laughs> Deal. It's on you. Fine. You still lost. Fine. We'll take it. You know? Good. It's on you. By the way, yesterday, again, Taylor Heineke just wins. And the Commanders are 4-4, four and four, the toughest division in the National Football League. After the Giants lost the Seahawks, the Cowboys win. And then last night, the Bills uh, beat the Packers. And, um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady look a lot alike right now. It just isn't there, the the kind of magical touch. And last night, you're thinking of the great quarterback matchup. And Josh Allen wasn't great last night. He didn't need to be great. He was 13-25, to 25, got picked off a couple of times, had a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, he wasn't outstanding, but Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, once they fell down by a couple of scores, they were done. I mean, Aaron Jones did a nice game under the football, but, uh, Aaron Rodgers team is three and five. So whether you're pointing fingers at this guy or that guy, it doesn't matter. They're, they're three and five. And when you, when, when, when you go and look and we do this every week in college football, and you do it in the National Football League. If you start to play the game, and we're not yet at the halfway point of the NFL season, but when you start to play the game of who's got shots to make the playoffs, well, it, the Packers are four back in the loss column already in the NFC North. And the Vikings are 6-1 and one, and 5-1 and one in the conference and 3-0 in the division. The Packers are 3-5. and five. The Eagles 7 and 0, the Giants and the Cowboys are 6 and 2. Seahawks lead the West. So um you could be in the mix for that last wild card spot, but it's crowded. And 
It'll stay crowded. Anyway, the Seahawks leading the West after uh, eight games. But again, to the AFC, where again the Bills are six and one, but the Jets and Dolphins five and three, and the Patriots with a win uh, sit four and four. So um, you start to do math and figure out who's got a spot to make. And uh, for teams like the Bucks and the Packers, and really more the Packers in a tough spot because the Vikings are up four in the loss column already uh, on them. Tonight's uh, Monday night uh, football game, the Bengals and the Browns in Cleveland will uh, go uh, tonight. By the way, we had a... uh, over the weekend, Scott, you may not have noticed, but uh, the Stanford tree has been suspended. The unofficial mascot of the Stanford Cardinal? Has been suspended. For what? Being on the field and holding up a sign, Stanford, no fun. There's a deeper social issue on campus at Stanford that led to this movement, and the tree had a sign that was on the field, and they've now suspended the tree of all campus activities. Mm, okay. So, Yeah. Uh, if you missed it this morning, the XFL announced the nicknames of all eight teams in uh, the XFL. The Orlando Guardians. Everything you wait a minute, isn't that the name of the roller derby team in, in Cleveland? Correct. Uh, that is correct. It's the Arlington Renegades, the St. Louis Battlehawks, D.C. Defenders, Houston, uh, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, Seattle Sea Dragons, the Vegas Vipers, and the San Antonio uh, Brahmas. The what? Brahma Bull. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Uh, th- those are the eight uh, team names that the XFL announced earlier uh, today. Terrell Buckley, the head coach of the Orlando Guardians, was on with Mike Bianchi this morning talking about what will be their first season in the upcoming uh, XFL. In the 11 o'clock hour, a bridge playback, something that Mike and I discussed earlier today, and also Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports Net president. He keeps saying yes to coming on this show. Well, it takes a long twisting, but at some point... You know, he eventually caved, but uh, no, he's very kind. He agreed to uh, come join us again to chat about the new Big Twelve deal. Like Feinstein's got to be like, buddy, what are you, what, what's going on here? It could be time for a John Feinstein visit again. It's been a while. I have to reach out to John. Got no. Army Navy coming up. College basketball tipping off. Can I put in a, probably can, a new book coming out? Can I put in an interview request? Uh, request, sure. Just John, because you make a request doesn't mean that it's answered. But go John, ahead. you bacon. On what, Michigan, Michigan State? The the, the one tunnel. Oh, uh, that's not bad. I'll, yeah, that's not bad. Okay. I know I just gave you the tiniest little nugget. Anybody else you want? We got some really good guests coming in the next couple of weeks, but I you know, want to hold off on a few. But mm-hmm. Okay, anybody else, let me know. Okay. I'm here to help. Uh, we come back. The 11 o'clock hour kicks off with Scott and the news next. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, Beat of Sports with Spider-Man. What's going on, everyone? Happy Halloween. It's 11 o'clock. That means another edition of the news. By the way, Scott is um, dressed in full Spider-Man outfit. Yep. And I must say, mm-hmm. he looks like the eight-year-old 
in its pajamas, staying up late to watch a movie. Why? No, take it as a compliment. I don't know how. Yeah, you look young, and and, 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 and the outfit yeah, looks young. like it's special pajamas that your parents got you for the holidays, and mm-hmm. you get to stay up late to watch a movie. Scary movie? Whatever you want. Okay. Ooh, maybe I'll watch, like, Poltergeist tonight. Go ahead. You like Poltergeist? No, I don't. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. We are about to run through the top stories in the sports world. Luka Doncic scored 30 of his season-high 44 points in the first half, and the Mavericks rebounded from a collapse the night earlier by beating the Orlando Magic 114-105. to Ricky Paolo Bancaro was held to 18 points for the Magic, the first time this season the number one pick in the draft had failed to reach 20. His six-game streak was tied for the third longest to begin a career. Uh, okay, so he wasn't great last night. He was fine. Uh, second half, the Magic, a 3 of 17 from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Second half, Paolo and Franz Wagner go 4 of 19 from the floor. And the team has no point guard. So Jalen Suggs is out. Cole Anthony's out. Markel Fultz is out-out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Old Bowl played nice last night, but, again, 1-6. and six. Donovan Mitchell had 38 points in a career-high 12 assists. Kevin Love scored 16 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. And the Cavaliers rallied to beat the New York Knicks 121-108. to Mitchell and Love combined for 28 in the final period as Cleveland outscored New York 37-15. Love made 5 Absolutely three. pathetic fourth quarter for the Knicks. Classic situation. Chance to get a good road win at Cleveland. And a massive meltdown in the fourth quarter again. Mm. I mean, it happens sometimes. Well, yeah, that's why you don't get to play significant games after April Fool's Day, let alone hang around maybe for Mother's Day. Well, why didn't you guys trade for Donovan Mitchell instead of uh, you know what going what after Jalen Brunson? What it is, man. Leave it alone. Melvin Gordon scored on a drive early in the second half. Latavius Murray took it in from two yards out in the fourth quarter to help the Broncos snap a four-game losing streak by beating the Jaguars 21-17. to Wilson, Russell Wilson led two go-ahead scoring drives in the second half. Under his return from a hamstring injury, he finished 18 of 30 for 252 yards in a touchdown and an interception. In the second home for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I, again, I watched very little of that game. So I, I, again, I know Travis Etienne had a good game, but can't tell you much else. And I know that these numbers won't be reported. What do you think they would be for a game like that on ESPN Plus? Uh, well, you know the Thursday night games have gone down from the number that it was before. the 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 Sunday games on NFL Network again they don't subscribe to Nielsen. So I, if I had a guess, I'd say three to four million. Okay. It's not bad, right? No, people uh, people that have ESPN Plus know where to find it. Yeah. So. Tua Tagovailoa's cool and calm progression led to his third touchdown pass on the afternoon. A go-ahead 11-yarder to Mike Gusecki late in the third quarter that capped the Miami Dolphins rally from a double-digit second-half deficit for a 31-27 win over the Detroit Lions. Tyreek Hill had 12 receptions for 188 yards. Jalen Waddell had eight catches for 106 and two touchdowns. Hill and Waddell have 1,688 yards combined, setting a Super Bowl-era record for two teams 
teammates through the first eight games. Oh, it's incredible, huh? When, when, when you get a quarterback weapons, huh? wow, you get results. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's exactly how it worked. Interesting. Tyler Lockett uh, secured a 33-yard touchdown catch that proved to be the decisive point for the Seahawks' 27-13 win over the New York Giants in the Geno Smith revenge game against the Giants. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, what did I say last week? It would be great to go out to Seattle and get a win. Mm Mm-hmm. But if the Giants lose to Seattle and come home, they have the Texans and Lions the next two weeks. Yeah. If the Giants can win those two football games, and at home, you need to win those. At 8-2, and two, this guy's not arguing. Within a stretch that includes the Cowboys, Commanders, Eagles, Commanders, Vikings, Colts, Eagles. So, I'll take 8-2. and Got to win the next two football games. And if a certain former Giant punt returner, like still not cut, uh... Doesn't fumble after catching the punt and then loses the ball, then does it again. Maybe a different game. And the craziest thing is this matchup was the only matchup of two teams with winning records this past week in the NFL. That's correct. The Big 12, uh, is is it official yet? Or is it the still, league has not confirmed it, no. Is, oh, then I will say this. The Big 12 is on the cusp of extending its current television contract with ESPN and Fox. The league is in the final stages of putting together a six-year, $2.28 billion contract extension that includes a, a sizable pay bump for schools. The new contract, which takes hold starting in 2025, includes ESPN owning more than 60% of the inventory in Fox, adding a sizable portion of college basketball. Yeah, that's a big deal, by the way, the basketball part of it. Uh, that I think people are getting caught on the football side of the dollars. It's big for a league, and that's a big challenge for UCF now, for a league whose on-court results make it the worthy argument of the best conference in college basketball. The exposure now of games on Fox, not just FS1, but Fox, is a nice little nugget for uh, the Big 12 in this deal. Which basketball venue are you looking forward to going to? Well, Kansas, I mean, obviously. But, I I mean, there's... <laughs> There's a lot in a league that's got really good... Because you've been to some of them already, right? Only Kansas State. You ever been to Oklahoma? No. Oh, yeah, we did uh, basketball in Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, almost slipped on a future schedule that I can't comment on. Uh, basketball been in Oklahoma. Yeah, I did. And Kansas was... State, and that's it. That's it? Okay. I mean, Houston, Cincinnati. Yeah. Not, not basketball to people. Although we walked into the BYU arena, we were out there for football, and Massive, big arena, but yeah. And lastly, Tennessee moved into a tie with Ohio State for number two in the AP College Football Poll on Sunday to set up a number one versus number two matchup with the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia-Tennessee will be the 25th regular season matching uh, the two top teams in the AP poll in the third straight involving SEC teams. Neither the Bulldogs nor the Volunteers have ever played in a 1-2 game in the regular season. Georgia remained number one for the fourth straight week, receiving 30 first-place votes. Big game. Again, uh, winner of the game, I think as long as they win their final three games... It's going to be hard to leave them out of the playoff. 
I mean, weird stuff can happen, but I think that's kind of what's at stake on Saturday. If you win and you can, um, you know, win the next three, even if you lose the SEC title game, it'd be hard to leave that team out, but still a lot of scenarios out there. And uh, last story, you talked about this uh, in the previous segment. Michigan State has suspended four football players for their involvement in an altercation in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium on Sunday night or Saturday night after the team's loss to Michigan. Uh, yeah, we'll be curious what else happens. Michigan State has suspended four at the moment. There may be more. And I don't know what... Uh, Law enforcement does. That's a good question for Richard coming up on Friday because that's not the playing field. Mm -hmm. And there's that second video of a guy using his helmet as a weapon to try to hit somebody. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what, what the authorities do. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five-star rating. It's a five-star segment. Shout out all the news heads that uh, I saw at the bar crawl on uh, Friday night. That's true. There was one person there that listens to the show, so de facto news head. On their own? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I actually learned at the, at the bar crawl that there's like a lot of people that listen to this show that I go to spin with. All right. Never knew that because they've never come up to me and said. Number one with a spin crowd. Yeah. Nobody listens more than these spinners between 930 and 1115. Back to you, Mark. All right, Scott. Uh, Saturday, UCF is at Memphis. That's now set for 330 kick. Our pregame begins at 130. Uh, from the Liberty Bowl. Do you need a recommendation, Sexton, for food? Not in Memphis. We're pretty good there. It'll be barbecue. Re- reservations, It'll made? be dry rub. No reservations at this place. Yeah. We come back. Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports Net president, on the new Big 12 deal. What it all means next. Radio app. The Big Sports Bar Daniels on this uh, Monday, as we were talking earlier today, I... One, to make the argument October 30th, 2022 is the most significant day in UCF athletic history because of the the new story of the new Big 12 extension of the media rights. The league hasn't formally announced it, but it, it, it changes everything financially for UCF. Um, interesting deal that many have uh, uh, been following, and Bob Thompson is the former president of Fox Sports Network and Fox Sports International. He's been kind of joining us several times to help us understand all this crazy stuff that he has uh, spent a lot of years studying in the world of media rights. Bob, welcome back. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, Mark. How are you? Good. Uh, just give me your thoughts when the news broke yesterday on uh, the numbers and um, you know ESPN and Fox committing, and, and you've kind of speculated. I think the number came in around what you thought, but just your general thoughts when that story came out yesterday. Well, the first thing that surprised me was that it, it came out on a Sunday. <laughs> Once you get... On that, I think, you know, for the conference, it's a, a great deal. I think the numbers, as you mentioned, were pretty much around mid-range, what everybody figured they would be, $31.7 million per school. Yeah, it's an increase off the last year of the existing deal. It's not huge, but it's an increase, and given the fact that Texas and Oklahoma are no longer part of the conference and that you've added net or you will add net to schools for the length of this deal. I think it's a, it's a pretty good number. 
I also think that it does a couple things. It, it gives the conference some stability. It gives them some potential numbers to show other potential expansion candidates. And it also locks in kind of their slot for the next round of negotiations by going uh, six years in, they'll end up one year after the Big Ten goes to market. So kind of let the Big Ten set the set the bar and then, and then hopefully draft off of that somehow. Independent of the Pac-12, although many try to connect the two, I'm just curious your thoughts on your Mark strategy when he came in, hired some people that are experienced in this, uh, to go back to his current partners, just uh, 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 some thoughts on his strategy to say, look, I, I don't want to wait, I want to go now. You know, I think that's a little bit of a, a gamble, and I think it's played out well for him. I mean, at this point, during the term, the only people he could conceivably talk to were ESPN and Fox as the existing rights holders. And so I think given kind of the um, fact that the – Big 12 has, has had some stability issues over the years um, with the departure of Texas and OU and the new schools coming in and, and the, but then still maybe wanting to expand. I think lock, locking something in now is, was a good idea. That's not to say that they might not have gotten more money had they waited uh, for, to, to be able to take it to market. Uh, I think it's, you know, for the conference, it's, it's a good deal. And I think for the schools coming in, like UCF and 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 City, BYU and Houston, you know, compared to what they're getting right now, it's a home run for them. I'm curious, um, is there value, Bob, and you've negotiated many of these to having a competitive league? Like I've commented today, the Big Twelve, even before this move, has had some great conference races that give you some quality programming as you get into November. It's not at all knocking the SEC or Big Ten. They are the brands that they are. But they've been dominated by two or three schools, and a lot of that content is not as appealing other than the fans or gamblers of those. Is that anything of value that helped the Big 12 by saying, look, we get to November, we got four games almost every weekend where it involves teams that could make a conference championship? Absolutely. I think parity is is a good thing and you know <clears throat> for the big 12 not having oklahoma and texas in the champ game every year is going to be a great thing i think you know it's kind of interesting now to see that you know of, of the top teams in the big 12 conference neither of them are, are texas or ou so i think for the television partners to see the parody uh and, and you never know who's going to be on top i mean kansas was in first place for a number of weeks i mean who would have thought that so i think having that parody is good for TV matchups and not having just a few few teams constantly on the top uh, is, is really great for the TV partners and ultimately for the conference as well. An education question. I think a lot of people got this wrong yesterday and you were correcting them. People talking about, wait, 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 this doesn't include Tier 3 rights. Can you tell people what Tier 3 rights are and why that does not come into play here because ESPN Plus is keeping them in this deal? Right. Tier three rights are kind of everything after the top football, college football selections and college basketball selections. So in that, this case of the Big 12, it's pretty much all the games that Fox and, and ESPN have a right to. In years past, tier three rights would be maintained and controlled by each individual school, and uh, they would be able to monetize them in any way they felt possible. The Big 12 has always been a little different. Uh, primarily at the behest of uh, Texas and Oklahoma. 
Texas had a deal for with ESPN for Longhorn Network, and Oklahoma had a deal with the Fox Regional Network, and then ultimately ESPN Plus for their third-tier rights. And a couple years ago, during the uh, valuation of the champ game for the Big 12, ESPN stepped up and bought all of the Tier 3 rights from the conference and, and basically created a Big 12 network-type channel on their app. And so in the past, those numbers hadn't necessarily been included in the Big 12 TV deal. It was a separate deal. Well, now with this contract, the big the Tier 3 rights have all been rolled into the $380 million, as have, I assume, the championship game, which was also a, a separate uh, contract. Because when these deals were first done 12 years ago, 13 years ago, there was no big 12 championship game. That was a, you know something new that came about when the NCAA said you don't have to have 12 teams in order to have a champ game. Um, I don't think it is a competition. I'm a traditionalist. I want the Pac-12 to survive. Heck, I want the Southwest Conference back. But um, many people kind of wonder now what happens. Uh, did the Big 12 benefit by getting a deal done first? And now we'll look at the numbers. And there were reports of Pac-12 media people. Now the Pac-12's competent. What do you expect the Pac-12 to do? And do you expect their deals to come now sooner or later? Or what happens with the Pac-12? I've been saying all along, I think the Pac-12 comes in around $300 million uh, uh, average per year, which is, you know, they've only got 10 schools, so that's, you know, what after USC and UCLA leave, so that's about $30 million per school average. I think if they can figure out a way to potentially better monetize the Pac-12 networks, which is their conference on channel, they could they could do a bit better than, than the $30 million per school but I'm pretty confident that that's where they'll be. Um, they may have a different makeup. They may have more streaming involved at a higher level, say in you know tier one or two picks uh, with Amazon or Apple, something along those lines. And ESPN, I think, will certainly be in there as they want the the late night windows and some other potential good factual matchups. Not sure about Fox if they're going to stand pat or if they're still going to go after any Pac-12, but. I think at the end of the day, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are going to be pretty, pretty much, pretty close. Big 12 may be slightly higher on a per school basis, but not, you know, not a lot. I am kind of curious, though, um, and maybe they're smart to think about a streaming deal if it is Amazon and be right five years where we're all accustomed to that. But is there something about sending some of that top tier programming? to place it outside of the NFL. There's not a lot of data that says the sports viewer is going there. And what is the challenge for George Klavkov on a grant of rights to get his members to all sign up for something? You're, you're, you're correct. I think on the, the streaming service being a major portion, it's a little bit of a concern. I think for Thursday nights, it's worked for Amazon. But you got to remember on that Thursday night, that's the only game on. If you're going to start putting you know, your top-level picks on Amazon on a Saturday, you're up against four or five other different games, and no matter what window you go in, uh, at least during the daytime windows and, and, and even the East Coast Prime, you're up against a number of different games. So the question becomes, as a you know, viewer, are you going to jump around because you know we all put channels all over during college football from game to game to game. Are you going to leave your bundle on your cable system or your DirecTV or whatever, go to your app, find the Amazon game and sit on it? Or 
Are you going to just stay in your in your bundle and flip around to there? So I think that's a that's, a, that's going to be a challenge for for them. It's somewhat different than what they get with Thursday night football. As far as the grant of rights, I think if the money's right, the grant of rights will be there, and they'll you know the conference will try and figure out the rest of the thing as far as promoting it, promoting the games on Amazon, and, and making sure that there are some games on a broad based linear broadcast or cable network. But it is going to be a bit of a gamble. And instead, a couple of times, uh, people are either going to say the conference office is the most brilliant, cutting-edge, forward-thinking individuals out there, or that they're all crazy and don't know what they're doing. And it's probably going to be 50-50, and, and what's, what's true today might not be true four or five years from now. Which I think applies to my next question. At the time, maybe it was the right move for the ACC with a previous commissioner, to get its network to have ESPN basically do it all in return, give me a long-term deal. And as you've said, timing is always a factor. What can the ACC do outside of convincing Notre Dame to join them? Because it is realistic that both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 in the next couple of years will pass them in dollars. And yet, I'm curious, what can they do? You know, that's a good question. I think whatever they do, they're going to need some help from, from ESPN as the primary rights holder is and also their partner in the ACC networks that that's really the, the only avenue that I see and you know maybe there's some other things they can do as it relates to conference-wide marketing initiatives sponsorship deals things like that but um, you know they are a little bit of a victim of, of timing and uh, I understand why you know ESPN requested such a long deal by you know they agreed to Invest all the money necessary to uh, launch the ACC network, which is which is not a small amount uh, to get a network off the ground. So I, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, hopefully the conference can come up with something, and I understand they have some are doing some explorations on just exactly how they might be able to increase their their take. But uh, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. But and it but it's also something they have to do. Uh, this is more of a uh, do you know ver- and also a your experience. Give me a guess. College football playoff and the money split. We have a deal in place now that still has a few years left. They may try to get this expanded playoff going by 24. Currently, the Power Five have an even split, then give a pot to the G5. Do you think if we get going in 24, does that money stay split five ways? And then do you anticipate a little bit of a battle in future uh, 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 splits where the Big Ten and SEC say, we don't want a, a pot split five ways. We want a greater percentage. And is there more of a formula that rewards conferences based on who gets in? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, you know, as far as it goes with the existing deal, I would guess it probably stays the same uh, as far as the splits. Maybe a little bit more increase, uh, depending on what happens with the rights, you know, with ESPN. If they can get ESPN to pay more, which I assume ESPN would be willing to pay more for more games. I think you have a scenario where they might have to up the money to the participating conferences um, and, or, and or schools. I think you, going forward in the next round of deals, I think there's two ways you can look at it. You know, the Power Five conferences might want a bigger split because they're kind of letting others in, but they also could, you know, make up that money by the fact that they're probably just based on having 12 slots, 
um, you're going to get more shares because your schools are more likely to be voted in. Uh, I think for the G5s, you know, there's going to be one in each year for sure. But beyond that, I don't know if you can expect a whole lot. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that that's going to be a pretty interesting negotiation um, for the Power Five versus the G5s. And even within the Power Five, uh, certain conferences may, you know, say that um, we deserve a bigger take because we're providing more more uh, value to the CFP. That would be interesting to see. Bob Thompson is former uh, president of Fox Sports Networks and Fox Sports International. We always welcome on the inside. Bob, good catching up. Thank you always. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Mark. Have a good week. Uh, good stuff uh, from Bob right there. I felt I had a couple of strong questions. What do you think, Scott? I think, I, went, what? I think you did, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you no, no. <laughs> he's good. I mean, he's he said crazy. interesting question a couple of times. It's funny. I you know I follow Bob. I have great respect for Bob, and I read some of the people on Twitter that like, well, you don't know. It's like it, <laughs> he's negotiated like over a hundred billion dollars in contracts. I think he has an idea of some of this stuff versus the guy that's got like, you know, Cowboy 9875 who thinks he knows a little bit more. But some good insight uh, from Bob Thompson on the current state of uh, media rights in college sports. And as I said, I think, um, you know, October 30th, 2022, it's the most significant day for UCF because it, it, it elevated them into a league that because of its media partners remains relevant. I mean, the SEC and the Big Ten, they are what they are, and they are the two runaway giants. Um, And whether the Pac-12 gets a deal worth as much or more, the Power Five, it may be a Super Two and then whatever you want to call it, but the league remains relevant. Why? Because of who's broadcasting their games. That's why. The coverage does matter. The time slots are on matters, and that's why it is important. Yes, the jump of about 7 to 50 million in a few years, that is um, significant from a business standpoint, in many, many ways. We do a bridge playback every Monday, something that Mike and I discussed the weekend that was, and we'll get that next. Uh, Playing music out of the iHeart Halloween channel, which you can find if... Halloween radio. You have to say it that way, like, yeah. Halloween radio. Uh, so you can check that out. Um, that was Seed My Frankenstein by Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. You're a big Alice Cooper fan, right? Music? Yeah. Not really. Golf? Got a few songs, and I respect the massive branding success. And um, there's no question Wayne's World was a gift for him. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I just I just remembered, uh, well, I got reminded of this over the weekend, and somebody, uh, I was uh, I went to Spooky Empire with my girlfriend two week two weekends ago, and she was like, "Oh, did you bring this up to to Mark on the show?" So at one point we were looking at a booth with uh, art being sold, and one of the pieces was of Marilyn Manson, and a guy walks up and goes, "Yeah, that right there, that's the greatest musician in the history of music, right there. No questions asked." Who, and I Manson, will, Marilyn Manson, yes, and. I will not hear anyone say anything otherwise. Got to be honest. Uh-huh. I'm probably just trying to go, cool. I don't want that debate. <laughs> I I Could have that debate, but... <laughs> I looked to see if I could crawl under the, yeah. the earth. That's when you just go, all right. Cool. Have a good day. I don't want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. My girlfriend's like, are you worried he might be a listener? I'm like, 
This case, yeah. no. No. Uh, UCF Tulane next week, 3.30 game. That was just announced. So 3.30 this week, 3.30 next week. And 3.30 last week. 3.30 this past week. Do you need recommendations for that? By the way, no uh, n- n- no bathroom stall issues with Mark Jones this week. <laughs> like we had a... Uh, Memphis a couple years ago. I gotta say, it seemed like Robert Griffin III had so much tell you, fun. Oh my gosh! Can I tell you that is that is like one of the nicest mm-hmm. human beings ever. He seems like it. Okay, he so genuinely so, so seems so he, like it. He, he, he wanted to be part of Spirit Splash at UCF. Mm-hmm. They got the video of it, and the crazy thing is talking to UCF people. This is a Heisman Trophy winner, former NFL quarterback, mm-hmm. and most people don't even know who he is. He, he just looks like. Like a student running He in. does look like a student. That's the thing. He's had a great time, and um, he's pretty good at, 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 on air. He he's brought his such wife, a personality. He brought his wife, who's pregnant with their third child, and, and their two children who are dressed in their Halloween outfits. They were adorable and everything. And then he comes up, and Scott, he's like the nicest person. He was saying hi to everybody. Introduced Hi, I'm Robert Griffin. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> Like the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Jones was nice, too. But no, it, no. We don't have any interest. He just pounded on the door like, hey, ABC. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I I didn't know your urine was more important to get rid of than mine I feel like I forgot at this to, point. I feel like I forgot to ask this. When that happened, you're going to the bathroom and there... It, throw, it totally throws your concentration off. Do you first think it's Herm? <laughs> no. 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 I wanted to go, who the hell's knocking on the door? Opened it up, like, hey. No, he said, no. He said, hey, SBN. I'm like, Mark, so what? <laughs> My piece got to come out just like yours right now. Here's uh, something from Mike and I this morning on the bridge. A look back at Florida, Georgia from Saturday. Anthony Richardson, what do you take out of the game? Uh, Anthony Richardson, I take out of the game that he is... We're we're more than halfway through the season, and he is still a work in progress. He's not anybody who thinks he's ready to go to the NFL. Now, maybe he can go to the NFL and sit a year or two and learn that way, but he's not ready to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I saw a mock draft from somebody at CBS that had him going tenth, and I thought this person should lose their writing ability. Mm. Um, he's he's just not. I mean, he's not a. He's certainly not a finished product by yeah. any means. I said this, and, and um, in my little note today, uh, I don't criticize Billy Napier because, and I'm going to take you back, and, and you wrote about this, the Mullen piece that you wrote of his first game against Georgia, you said, hey, the series is about to change and all that stuff. And I'm not calling you out, but 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 I think now... I, call, I, I, I already called no, myself out. So you what can. I'm saying is... Now that Napier is the one asked to close the gap, and there's no guarantee that he does. I mean, just because Kirby Smart did it. Do you agree with what I've said the last couple of weeks, that Billy Napier has just accepted, I can't say what you want me to say because of how fans and the media are going to react, so I'll just throw cliches out there, tell you that we got to get better, recruit better. But I think Billy Napier is like, do you guys understand (laughs) what I need to do, that I've got to get – three, four recruiting classes. I've got to be able to, to, to raise what hadn't been a very good department of acquiring talent, plus take into account the, the, the NIL pay-for-play world, and it doesn't get fixed in the 10 months that I've been here. 
I just, I, I'm reading and I was watching and I'm a big body language guy. And I, I just think Napier's like, okay, I'll just say what I'm supposed to say here, but I I need to go do my job. And my job is to try to win these games, but to build this program up. You can yeah, catch in. Oh, oh, but oh, there's I, also this little dynamic oh, yeah. because after the game, a lot of people were, including myself, were trying to get him to say, "Hey, um, we have a lot of work to do and a lot of recruiting to do before we can catch a program like Georgia." And he was even asked. Actually, he refused to answer the question when when asked about an obvious talent gap mm-hmm. between the two programs, and he wouldn't answer. He goes, "I never said that." Yeah, he was adamant. I never said that. I never said that. I saw and that I know clip. why he's doing that yeah. because he doesn't want his players right. to, to read how they're not very talented. Right. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that that Florida is free of criticism this season. The record is what it is. I just think I'm not. Re- I'm not really criticizing. Right. I uh, you can catch the entire bridge in '96 in the game.com. I jumped the gun quick right there. Sorry. It, it's, it's more on me. I should have removed that. No, long of a pause. You know, that you know, is for four. You can catch the entire bridge in 96 of the I mean, game. I also feel like you talked enough in the the, the, early, the prior segment. Wow. But I will say, Bob gave you, I think, three. That's an interesting question. Bob Thompson, former yeah. Fox Sports president. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm just trying to impress the person that I'm interviewing. Well, we It lays a key foundation for coming back on the show. So we're very transparent about this. A <laughs> One lot of us of, is wearing a Spider-Man outfit today. A lot of times, whenever there's a guest that says, great question, me and you will both like acknowledge it. But an interesting question, I think right. that ranks higher than great question. I'm looking for at least two of those during the interview. Like, hey, it's a great question, or wow, it's an interesting mm-hmm. point. I'm looking for two of those. More so than the, hey, how about this? Yeah. I've done many of those. <laughs> Those interviews are my time. Come back and put a wrap on our Monday show next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. NBC rules analyst Terry McCullough, he's the former official they go to Sunday night, uh, his opinion is that according to the rule and put in place, DJ Moore should not have been flagged because technically he was off the field. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Johnson totaled $35.6 million in winnings in the Live Tour. His team won their team event uh, this weekend. And, again, I, I pointed out about Liv's existence, but if a PGA player won $35.6 million, it would be a big story. Dustin Johnson won it. Nobody's talking about it today. Nobody cares. That's why the PGA Tour should stop talking about Liv. Uh, all right. How's your bracket looking for the NASCAR Cup playoffs? How's my... Uh, we're down to the final four. Yeah. And? Buddy Baker. Yeah. Kale Yarbrough. Fireball Roberts. Pretty much it. No? Doesn't work that way? No. This thing on? <laughs> uh, proper name, Scott. Waste Collector. Mm-hmm. Garbage Man. Uh-huh. Garbage Collector. Okay. Trash Man. Bin man, dust man in the UK is what they call the person that picks up your trash. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. Scott and I were having a little bit of a conversation. Is it the trash man, garbage man, Mm -hmm. and, you know, proper wording? Well, I'm bringing up something that we have talked about on the show about, like, 
What, if it just your trash, your trash, a just, waste it, collector, your trash can just ends up in the middle of the street and it's a slalom race. Well, that happens all the time on my block. I know. Yeah. 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 You come home, you're like, whoa, I think I can do this. Like well, Frogger going left, right, left, right. Yeah. When's the last time you played Frogger? It's been a while. Was that uh, one of the games that was in the hospitality room in Atlanta? Frogger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frost played Galaga a lot. I love Galaga. But but, uh, but, but he was playing Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. That's one that he was obsessed with, you know, a couple days before the Peach Boys. Obsessed with getting high score with Pac-Man. And then your sideline reporter was playing... Uh, playing, uh, I'll have another bottle of whiskey is what he was playing. I thought he was playing ping pong. He was, but it was And more... then you got called. Yeah. Have a good night. Uh, good night. Good day. Whatever. Uh, Have a miss safe any night. of today's program, check out uh, 96thegame.com. You missed our interview with Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports president on the new Big 12 media deal. That'll be up soon. Uh, see you tomorrow for a Tuesday show. Scott produced on Mark Daniels to beat the sports.